Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effective working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is Church Purpose. This is Series 2, Episode 19 of 28. I say this again in the event I have new listeners who are listening to this podcast message out of numerical order. We begin with more scriptural reading and we'll transition back into the why and how of the message. I know there's a lot of scripture in the last two messages, and now maybe even the third, but what's important to understand is that when you read these things, you read them from the context of actually being a Christian. You will see that there's an opposing force trying to stop us from actually walking according to the way that Jesus asked us to walk. That's why for many Christians, it's just easier to tell people they are rather than to act like they are. The devil's not trying to get you to stop professing that you're a believer. The devil just doesn't want you to act like you're a believer. There is a difference. But keep in mind, I'm trying to show both sides of the coin here when I'm talking about there's a responsibility of the church. And while that we're carrying out that responsibility, there's going to be an opposing force trying to stop us from carrying out that responsibility. Which in part, because we're not doing that, is why we're here today as a church. There's nothing wrong with that. We have to identify the problem before we can come up with solutions. John 21, 15, 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. John 21, 19. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Note the language in these scriptures. Follow me. Not him, follow us. Joel 2, 1, 11. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. For it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come, great and strong, like the whom has never been, nor will there ever be such after them, even for many successive generations. Now before I continue with the scripture, which I've already addressed in the messages previous to this one, note what he just said there nor will there ever be such after them, even for many successive generations. We're not talking about the end of time's army. This is an army that will appear at some point between the beginning and the end. So there'll be generations after us, but there won't be an army like this. So why not us? Why can't this generation be that army? I think we have a say in it. Verse 3, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots over mountaintops they leap, like the noise of a flaming fire that devours a stubble, like a strong people set in battle array. Before them the people wreathe in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the walls like men of war. Everyone marches in formation. They do not break ranks. They do not push one another. 
Everyone marches in his own column. Though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a thief. The earthquakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark. And the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? If we go back to verse 7, take a look at the descriptors of this army. Everyone marches in formation. That means nobody's challenging one position for another. They're not trying to get promoted. They're not trying to go after titles. And they do not break ranks. So they understand that it's God who sets the members in the body. They do not push one another. There's no competition. Now look, if this is happening in your church already, where you're able to say, yep, this is us, we do this, then I would say, okay, so is your church compared to another church also doing it? Or do you consider that that church is inferior to what it is that you're doing? Remember, he's not coming after a harem. Everyone marches in his own column. So everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Can you say that about your church? Does everybody know what they're supposed to be doing? And are they being trained to do it? Revelations 2, 3. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. What is the condition of the bride today? Are we in the same condition as described in Isaiah 9, 10, 16? The bricks have fallen down, but we were rebuilt with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. Therefore the Lord shall set up the adversaries of Rezin against him, and spur his enemies on, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind. And they shall devour Israel with an open mouth. For all his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For the people do not turn to him who strikes them, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. So in verse 13, it's talking about the people not turning back to God, and that it is God who is striking them. He's not striking them with his own fist. He's striking them with their enemies. Therefore the Lord will cut off the head and tail from Israel, palm branch and bulrush in one day, the elder and the honorable. He is the head. The prophet who teaches lies, he is the tail. For the leaders of this people cause them to error, and those who are led by them are destroyed. This kind of sounds like our country right now. Jeremiah 1.16 And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. Jeremiah 2.19 And they shall fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Do you see how it is that America has endured so long? Jeremiah 2.26 As a thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princess, and their priests, and their prophet. We have been busted. Jeremiah 2.31 O generation, see the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness unto Israel, a land of darkness? Wherefore say my people, we are lords, we will come no more unto thee. Jeremiah 2.34 also in thy skirts is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but upon all these. 
Jeremiah 3, 12, 13. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return, you backsliding Israel, says the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, says the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God, and have scattered your way to the strangers under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. I mean, we can't expect a non-believer to obey God, right? Because they can't hear or see him. Is he not talking about the church today? Return, you backslidden children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto you, for you are the Lord our God. Jeremiah 4.22 For my people are foolish, they have not known me. They are sottish children, and they have no understanding. Jeremiah 22.3 The Lord says, Execute your judgment in righteousness and deliver the spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor. And do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, nor the widow, neither shed innocent blood in this place. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. Jeremiah 29, 11, 13. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray to me, and I will hear you. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. First Chronicles 7.14 If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Is not our land sick today? We think that it is due to all kinds of corporate abuses, cars, smog, blah, blah, blah. And yes, that has some effect on it, but only when you remove the God factor. You see, we can't just live in the spirit and the natural because it leads to confusion. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, then God will heal our land. It didn't say that he will raise up scientists to do it, although he could. It said that he will heal the land. He's the answer to our issues whether he uses mankind to solve the problem or not. Either way, he's either going to do it or he's going to raise up people to do it. But not unless we call on his name. Well, the end has come again. If you are counting or interested, we are on page 75 of my written content for this message. So yes, if it feels like we are traveling through a book, it may very well be that we are. So allow me to welcome you into my story, a story that does have an end. But more importantly, I hope and pray that it has a profound impact on your life as an authentically born-again believer. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from them. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, steal, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Find a seat and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep water.